I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA Expose. Welcome to another episode of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Noongar Buja. It's episode two of Demystifying Producing, and I have all three members of Basement Productions in front of us. We have Tangy Screams. Hello. Yeah. Hello, back for the first time. <laughs> we have Busty Bubbles. Say hi. Hi. And of course, we have the king himself, like I said. Say hello. 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 Ooh, hello voice for radio. <laughs> face for radio, me. Um, <laughs> I thought of that myself on the drive. I'm like, caught myself in the review mirror. I was like, mm, face for radio. Oh, no. Absolutely <laughs> not. We can't say that. We're in the middle of trying to put on a fringe thing. Um, so last time, uh, if people haven't listened to the first episode, I would highly recommend doing that. Jump back to Demystifying Producing, episode one. Uh, it's literally just the foundational groundwork of what even is a show? What do you even do? You even want to do this? What are we? <laughs> Plus some really interesting soundboard stuff, which we've realised is still <laughs> here. And no, I haven't learned how to change it, and I don't know if I ever will. I kind of feel like I'm against the entire concept of it now. I'm like, I think really? we should just pivot to being a football podcast. Yes, I think we've all uh, got the skills for it. Right. Football is a sport. know it all. I just want to know what poor Chubbs has done to do, have all this foulness on his doorstep. That's what I, I want to yeah, know. Yeah, is that what the guy's name is? Chubbs? I want to know yeah. who Chubbs is. We, in the uh, that's place. something we could have done in the last three weeks was Google <laughs> who Chubbs was. And <laughs> <laughs> all of us are like, no, you know what? We'll just continue to wildly speculate about who mm-hmm. and what a Chubbs is. Chubbs is an enigma. Mm. Mm. An enigma, a story, a football uh, commentator. Nobody tell me. If anyone knows, do not comment. Don't tell me. I don't want to know what Chubbs is. Um, all right. So in this episode, I think we teased it in the last one. We wanted to get like right into honestly the brass tacks of like what it actually is to apply to Fringe in the first place. I think something that is quite daunting is going onto the website and opening up the application and being like, and what do I put mm. in here? So quite literally, um, we've gonna, we're going to open up. The application and go through probably not all of the questions a lot of them are self-explanatory but the ones mm. that ask for more information and more in depth about like I don't know themes and motifs and stuff we can really get our little mitts onto um and this is freely available we're not like going behind a paywall or anything to tell you this this is information that anyone could access if they decided to apply for a fringe show so this isn't a secret amount of information or questions this is just us uh, attacking Questions from the point of view of basement. Hmm. Anyone wanted to add anything before we go into Pro that? tip, it takes way longer than you think it's mm-hmm. going yeah. to take. <laughs> we did it in two, two, a two-part meeting and both took at least two hours yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and probably the second meeting was in response to us not reali- realising the level of detail we had to have ready 
for a, a fringe hub application. It's yeah. like it's next level shit than we a had, standard app. We had most things ready to go mm. like concept wise and mm. um, ideas and even I think at that point we did have a blurb, mm. a bio, yep. and it was still not enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took an additional hour for me to like write up. Essentially you have to have a promo plan. And a yep. production plan. Mm-hmm. And so based on all of our previous conversations, I whittled something up. And then in part two meeting, that's when we refined it as a team. Yeah, completely. And I think um, one of the questions that we got in the time from when we've done the last Oh, episode, I was wondering, did anyone uh, ask Absolutely, stuff? people have asked stuff. Mm. Um, one of the things I think we should cover up the top is that this is applying for a fringe hub venue specifically what the hell is a hub venue for people who don't know like what is the difference between a hub venue and other venues don't look at me like that I will tell you if you don't know the answer (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think it's the fancy tent yeah it's our understanding I guess that um the fringe hub itself is not only just like a space where they Mm -hmm. um have the centralized fringe area but it's also um I think more partnership with fringe itself mm. as a as a entity to help mm-hmm. with like production and promo and like the audiences seeing your show because mm. it is so centralized mm-hmm. um and because of that because it's so like more widely accessible to a lot of audiences it's a bit more involved because they want good quality mm. shows out there course, they want yeah, like they're... fully ready shows and I don't think it's always been like that I've definitely been part of <laughs> Shows in the fringe <laughs> hub that have not been as thought through. They're not highly sought after spots, definitely. Mm, yeah. 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 I mean, I think that a really easy way to differentiate the hub and a non hub is like the hub are venues that are managed by Fringe World. Yeah. Um, there are obviously other fantastic venues that, um, like Connections and that club where Basement has done shows and stuff before, um, other venues in and around Northbridge, and it spreads all the way out to Fremantle and into the CBD mm. more centrally that are run by private entities um, and companies and People actually, there are people who set up their own fringe hubs, which is pretty cool as well. But yeah. venues that are managed by Fringe itself mm. are different to say the way that um, a space like Edinburgh Fringe works, where Edinburgh Fringe, yes, is the overarching entity, but they do not run any hubs at all. So specifically to Perth Fringe, these are venues like the Pleasure Gardens that are managed by Fringe World. Yeah. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a competitive market to get into one of those spaces. I mean, most, I don't know, I'm, it's probably quite a broad statement, but uh, every every producer that I have talked to has like this beautiful vision of being like my show in a Spiegel tent and it's going to look really cool. And it's like, yeah, we all want to be in that really fun tent that only pops up and only exists for um, for those four weeks of the festival. Yeah, uh, I think that's definitely goals. There's definitely, Spiegel yeah. Spiegel tents have some sort of magic to them I think that's so different to just performing in like a nightclub or something yeah these incredible Mm. venues that we love and appreciate but they're like you're here all the time Mm. (laughs) that tent's only there for the next three weeks and I want to be in it yeah Mm, there's definitely that sort of drive and I think there's that drive for audiences a bit too um being like if I'm going to go out and see a show like the way that spaces like the pleasure gardens just because it's a very um easy example Mm. a setup it's like there's always food trucks going and there's like drink stalls and there's often yeah. some sort of roving entertainment happening as well. They definitely are a great space to suck people in and then keep them there mm-hmm. yeah. as well. It's it, an experience. I suppose this this application was driven by our desire for Basement to just continually level up. Mm. The first fringe we did was in Fremantle at the Sonar Room and then the second fringe season, the one just gone, was at 
Connie's. Mm-hmm. And so then when we decided to, to do Fringe through the Paper, Scissors, Rock challenge, <laughs> <laughs> um, we were like, yeah, um, we're going we're gonna to put our hat in the Fringe Hub ring. Yeah, so to speak. Yeah, following along behind so many amazing shows that have been a part of the French Hub venues, burlesque and, Mm. you know, it's up there with shows like Briefs. Yes. Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, Briefs and Yummy as well, which is great too. Yummy. So many good ones that have been in there. All right. So that's sort of what is. So that that was the question. Um, There's one that is like the what is because I think – it's very easy sometimes as performers and producers and artists to be like, we know the lingo, mm. we get it, we're across it. Sure. Just to like really unpack it and be like, this is the way that the applications are set out is that it's not all run by Fringe, um, which is like supposedly the glory of it. The idea of a Fringe festival is that anyone can do a show, which is the amazing thing of like if you're, you know, unfunded and you don't have like a big company backing you, you can be like, I too can put on a really cool show that people will love and maybe we'll make money, um, which is the positive of it. And also sometimes the downfall of it when dickheads decide to put on really nasty things as well, but that's mm. a whole different conversation. Mm. <laughs> um, so, all right. So after the, you know, um, I'm going to say like establishing questions of like, what genre is your show? Who is your event sort of loosely targeted at? Um Who's in your act? Is it just people from Western Australia? Does anyone going to need a visa? Like there's all, there's actually quite a Mm. lot of establishing questions in these applications that um, I think can be quite daunting, especially ones literally like do participants in your event require a working visa and you're literally sitting there being like, well, I don't know. That's a really hard (laughs) one to answer. Um, You know, are people entering from interstate? And you're like, nah, are they? Uh, Well, we put yes, because we're hopeful that, you know, based on last year's Fringe, there Mm -hmm. were a lot of interstate performers who were, you know, and it's already started now putting, putting it out there on social media saying that they're, they're going to be here, they're interested Mm. and essentially giving their bio uh, for producers. And so, yes, we did say yes. Yes. Oh, completely. But they're also, they're questions that can be kind of daunting and into like just looking at them Mm. on paper. um, But. Yeah, you've got to make a lot of educated guesses, I guess, when you're going through this yes. part here. Mm. Things that are more simple are questions like, is this a um, West Australian premiere of the show? Well, being that it's a brand new show, it yeah. is a West Australian premiere. It's a world premiere even. Yes. Um, <laughs> Next up, the world. <laughs> doesn't exist. <laughs> Basement takes over the world. Uh, sure. Then there's your standard agreeing to terms and conditions. That's pretty straightforward. I have it open in front of me for people who are wondering what I'm doing as I'm clicking through things. <laughs> um, the rating now for your show was coming up with an R18 rating pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty standard yeah. for burlesque. Yes, this yeah. is true. <laughs> Please don't bring your kids. <laughs> <laughs> there will be breasts. Um when it comes to audience participation, how did you go about that? I see you guys have clicked that there's occasional audience participation. Yeah, uh, I think, yeah. yeah, using past shows is probably more of a guide. Um, ah, interesting. So that mm-hmm. was like, because obviously when you don't know exactly the full content of an act and stuff until yeah. like later on. Again, it is September. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose, I, yeah, like Tanji said, previous shows, but mm. also having a sense of what we want to bring to the show we know we have an idea of what act we'd like to contribute Mm. and so we can base it on that that if any of us want to engage directly with the audience then that's a pretty 
pretty yeah. easy question to answer from there. And I also w- coming down to that, like audience yeah. participation could actually be quite broad. It's like, are you actually going to be bringing someone physically up on stage mm. or are you going to go sit on someone's lap or are you just mm. going to be walking and mingling? Yeah, are you making some eye contact or are you actually touching somebody mm. else? Yeah, it's a that's a quite a wide spectrum there and they, it, there's not more options besides occasional and frequent, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um then they've got, you know, the questions about course language, um, yep. nudity, <laughs> yep. uh, asking if there's, you know, going to be any animal cruelty, depictions of violence, drug use or loud noise. I think that there's like an interesting thing that can happen here where um, obviously the team has picked that there will be nudity, obviously, that we're going to use heaps of swears, <laughs> heaps of swears, um, and that there will be loud noises, but then you've mm. left the other boxes unticked. Mm. Um I suppose that kind of helps immediately narrow down your search when people do start applying with their acts. You can be like, well, sorry, you've got depictions of drug use and we already promised that we're not going to do that. So mm. you can sort of it, – maybe it's a way to assist in weeding out what you do and don't want as well. Yeah. yeah. A little. We – you know, I think going back to last um, podcast discussion, we we want this to be more fun and light – and camp in comparison to Morphosis. Mm. So Morphosis had a lot of strong themes. Yes, definitely. Whereas this show, it was kind of a no-brainer of like, yeah, yes, there's going to be nudity, honestly, any excuse for us (laughs) to to take our clothes off on stage. And then loud noises because that is one way that we express our art is through our music and, you know, how – that that can have moments of where you go from one one song to another and it has that drop, that that dramatic mm. kind of bam. So yeah. I guess it's also can be tricky when you're putting limitations on like people's art. Yeah. Because mm. because we're sourcing our cast from our community and those outside of our community that we want in, um, mm. we kind of have to yeah, ask them for a specific thing, but not very specific. But then it has to be within this like parameter and have these kind of guidelines. But like, do whatever you want. But like, make it fun. But like, also it has to say something. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like, um, yeah, like do do we want? Vague but with like, conditions with yeah. this yeah. with a little asterisk on it. But yeah, as performers, we know what it's like when um, you know you're putting forth something that you worked hard on and you put yourself into it, and then. That would suck for then, so, you know, a producer to be like, "Oh well, you do this one thing in there that we can't have." So, mm. yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's entirely fair. We too. did actually have that last year, mm-hmm. um, without going into specifics. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, as as producers, it was pretty challenging. Hey, yeah. Tangie, because we were like, "Well, we we actually really get where that performer's coming from in terms mm. of what they are." artistically trying to say about their own story but also we have greater responsibility than just one artist yeah we have we see we have a responsibility of the whole crew but also the audience we want to help create safe space full stop does that mean we don't want to challenge the audience Mm. no but we have a responsibility to ensure that that challenge comes from a space of, of safe intent. Yeah, mm. without inflicting pain onto anybody. You can challenge people without like, yeah, causing them harm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. that doesn't mean those conversations weren't incredibly difficult mm. as producers because it's like exactly what Tanji said. It's like you, you want to say we give you full artistic discretion <laughs> to choose what, what act you want to bring to our shows and, and we 
you know, we do that for all of our shows and then have a conversation to refine act ideas and whatnot. But then you do have to put parameters in place because otherwise it's a free-for-all. And at the end of the day, uh, even though there's not a lot of money slash none, the buck (laughs) does stop with us. Yeah, it was a very parental kind of role that we had to take on. But, like, we didn't want to have that feel suffocating for like all the parties involved mm-hmm. in it mm. and then what we would like hoped for was that the audience then understood where we were coming from with it um, but I guess the takeaway is that you can't protect everybody mm. you yeah. can just try and create this safe space and yeah show that you're doing as much as you can and then yeah. keep continuing to try yeah, yeah. Yeah, that seems like a lot of thought is going into like what's going to happen next, which is really good, obviously, especially mm. when it comes to like uh, understanding and respecting that like the first few times you do something, you're more than likely going to A, miss something and B, fuck something up. Yeah. Intentionally or unintentionally isn't really the point. It's like you'll still do it. Um, so it's really cool to see like the way that things evolve and change the second and third time that we attempt something. Mm. Um, I've just found something really interesting in the application, which is an oral rating. Um, obviously as the festival strives towards accessibility more and more consistently, um, the question reads as such, please identify the oral rating of your event. This is the amount of content that it is exclusively oral or heard by an audience. Obviously this is so that the Fringe Festival can cater to people of all abilities mm. um, and a show that is 100% sound-based with absolutely no visual elements at all isn't going to be great for somebody who can't hear. Mm-hmm. Like, is that's just a fact. That's just a fact. So, But they've actually got ratings. So this has a not applicable. This event is not accessible for patrons that are blind or have low vision. A 50%. This event is evenly audio and visual focused. Patrons that are blind or who have low vision can engage with the work through um, throughout. There are some elements that they will not experience. 75%. This event is predominantly sound-based with some visual elements. 100%. This event is completely sound-based with no visual elements. So at the extremes, you're almost exclusionary no matter what you do. Mm. At 100% sound, you're excluding people who can't hear. And at 0%, you're excluding people who, um, who can't see. So... Um, yeah, so there's a lot that goes into that. When trying to discuss it, uh, were, were you immediately striving for that 50% off the bat or was it just like the safest space for you to work into? Mm. I think like when you first read the question, the first thing that actually comes to mind is like you don't honestly take into acknowledgement with that. That's so fair. I think mm. it's really important to acknowledge mm. that there are, there are, and I don't, I understand there's a pun that comes with this and I don't mean it, but there are blind spots. We miss things all mm. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a little of both, you know. I mm. think it is safe to say 50-50. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think we struggled between 50-50 and then 75% yeah. because yeah. I think where Busty and I are specifically coming from burlesque, we're like that's totally like not entirely visual but a large portion of it is visual mm. because mm. you're taking these like cues of body language and yeah but then at the same time it's very 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 musical and yeah. like oral yeah <laughs> and the same thing could go for drag as well it's like very visual because you're lip syncing yeah but then that oral part of like you have to hear the music to kind of see the lip sync occur mm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. and, but, I, and yeah. going back to what I said before about you know regardless of what I suppose genre in bunny ears you, you come from in terms of your performance art 
a, a, what we bring to the stage has that musical element that is generally edited. Mm. And even though Tangie and I come from a strong burlesque background and, and, and clearly like drag, our our cast have different styles of performative yeah. art. So that informed our 50% decision as well because um, Miss Foria is jumping to my mind at the moment. Like Miss Foria has visual and sound mm-hmm. and I would say that their acts could be easily defined as 50%. Yeah, completely, yeah. yeah. Whereas if you had a singer, just because thinking of my own work, mm. you could easily define my acts as 100% uh, sound-based. Um, but then I would look at you and go, that's not true at all. Mm-hmm. I do a whole bunch of visual stuff because I'm there. Otherwise, I would just be a CD. Equally as delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would just be a CD. Um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, there's definitely a lot to consider, especially when you're putting on a variety-based performance mm. where you're doing multiple genres of art um, and you have to consider it as an entire show. Mm. Uh, so I think that it's great that they've added this question, mm-hmm. even if it does add complexity to the application because it means that you have to think about it going forward. Yeah. yeah. So whereas, not saying that basement particularly, but whereas like in the past we may not have considered these things, mm. um, you're almost forced to because you're being asked the question and your brain goes, oh, I need to work on this, which is – yeah. Which is good. I'm glad it's there. Um, they've then done the same thing with the visual rating, um, which again, uh, great, because if you put 50% for sound, you should probably put 50% for visual. Yeah. <laughs> Even <laughs> I can do that, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's worked out. And that's actually worked out pretty well. Um, uh, does this event include live or recorded music? Uh, yes, that's more of a copywriting question. Um that's pretty straightforward. Please, please, everyone stop ripping things from YouTube and just pay your APRA. It's <laughs> really, really straightforward. Um, that's a whole other episode. Maybe we'll do that at some point. But Yeah, um, get, I would need that. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, also yeah, just when working at venues where they're very adamant not to do a YouTube rip, there mm. is another reason. They sound awful. Yeah, they, they sound, sound bad. They sound bad. They just don't – they don't sound as good. And Get your 320k bit music. Just do it. <laughs> Just do it. Pay pay you two dollars. I know that um it seems like a lot, especially if you're a performer who has like ten acts under their belt and it just seems like a lot of um extra work but I promise the sound quality will be better overall the sound quality will be more even across different venues I don't mm. know if anyone's ever had that thing where it's like mm. this track sounds I ripped it off YouTube sounds amazing on my computer get to the venue and it's like it's at a hundred percent we can't hear it yeah like there's just yeah, it impacts your performance impacts in so many ways <laughs> absolutely everything or you go to another venue and because their speaker system is different again suddenly it's at 20 percent and it's blaring through and the mm. bass is killing the room mm. and your act is dead that way by on Honestly, if for no other reason, if not to support the musicians who made your music, which I mean, strange why you wouldn't want to do that. But um, for another reason, it would make your act better. It makes your sound more even across all venues that you go to. And you're not sitting there scrambling in the corner last minute trying to get another version mm. of the song. This has been a mid-show PSA. Um, from <laughs> <Aria>. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I could have ranted for so much longer. Um, we will continue this rant off. off <laughs> I'm about to say off camera. Off, off mics. camera, off mic, off everywhere. <laughs> Um, access provisions, um, these are things that are incredible and that, gosh, I wish I could do every single one of them for every single one of my shows mm. always, but they all come with a cost. Um, yeah, and that's why yeah. none of that is ticked. Of, Not yeah. for lack of value, mm. but just the simple fact that, yeah, like we said last podcast, our budget is held together by tape, rhinestones and glue. Mm-hmm. Like we just, yeah, unfortunately yeah. weren't 
in a position to tick those boxes, which yeah. sucks because I was part of a show, as were you, Aria, last season where there was an Aslan interpreter and it was amazing. I know that Busty Bubbles is that. You can't say because <laughs> this isn't a visual medium. I get yeah. to say it first. <laughs> um, but that was such a cool experience. Yeah, yeah. and so was Blake. Sorry, Blake. Yeah. No, yeah. That's all good. I've actually done quite a few shows over the year that have Auslan interpreters and it is a wonderful experience because at the same time, a lot of these Auslan interpreters, they're not just signing the lyrics, they're performing as well. Yes. So half the time when I like, get the videos back, I'm not even watching myself, I'm just watching <laughs> them. Yeah, it's just, joy, especially yeah. if you get Paula. Like yes. Paula is just this yeah. thing of beauty when she's exactly. like perf- yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Mologamy Muse for, for bringing that to our community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. But, yeah, it does come with a dollar sign attached to it. That Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, isn't something you can always add into it. So, so do things like adding hearing loops or a touch and tactile tour to your production. Um, mm. When it comes to a fringe show, I don't even know – with a maybe maximum of a 30-minute change over between shows, I don't know when you would do a tactile or touch tour. Um, these are great things. I'm glad that Fringe has <laughs> included them. But I'd love to know how mm. – um, and I, maybe somebody can answer this question in a way that I can't um, because they do have a hyperlink here that I'm not going to click on because we'll just waste the entire episode <laughs> following hyperlinks. <laughs> Down the um, I would genuinely would like to know how Fringe felt um, assist in facilitating some of these options, yeah. like more holistically. And this is before the Fringe Hub application as well. So this yeah. is just a standard. This is this application is the preamble. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the juicy. I'm already knowing that this particular episode is going to have to be two <laughs> <laughs> to get through the application. Because I'm like, no, no, I'll just like us in real life. It takes two. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it takes two to make a thing go right, and then um, <laughs> takes three to some, make it out of sight. Make it out of sight. Yeah. <laughs> um, then we've got artist demographics, um, which can be kind of a, if you would prefer. Yeah, I'm glad that it says this. If you'd prefer not to share this information, you can skip this question um, because a lot of the time sometimes having to go through this questionnaire, and I don't know if as artists yourselves going through this part of the questionnaire can be kind of performative for a lot of people. Um, so, you know, it's got like, does any of your participants identify as the following? We've got a box for First Nations, First Nations from outside of Australia, uh, BIPOC or CALD, uh, LGBTQIA+, a person with a disability, deaf or hard of hearing, blind or visually impaired. Um, it's important. Um, yeah, but like I said, can often come across as performative to a lot of people. I'm not going to share the specifics of this particular show because I think that I don't know. I kind of find I don't know. I kind of find that sticky. Well, I'll I'll, I'll just say that for us, I think it's fair to say that was a no-brainer question. Yeah, because we endeavour to, um, yeah, be really inclusive and diverse mm. in all of our shows. So it was it was a pretty easy kind of decision. Would you agree? Mm. Yeah. yeah, and also just doing a show called Gayborhood, we're definitely going to have to tick the LGBTQ. And that should be doing it's like <laughs> everybody's sis and straight. How dare you? It's Gayborhood, but no, <laughs> no queers in this show. That would be Gayborhood, really not sisterhood. <laughs> Look, like, yeah, they're probably doing it for like a data collection purpose, you know, yeah. for the statistics after Fringe or even to help categorise the show when they have it up on the website and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, or I mean, um, like, if we're fully honest about it as well, they're also doing it, and there's no shame in saying this either, they're also doing it to make sure that the shows that they put on in the hub venues are representative of the arts community in Western Australia. Definitely. Mm. And 
if you don't ask this question, you run the risk of unfortunately casting shows that don't represent our mm. art scene fully and completely. But by asking this question, you're also putting people in like kind of a weird spot of feeling like they have to self-identify or like disclose certain things about themselves that they might not feel comfortable disclosing yeah, about exactly. themselves. And yeah. like, so while I'm like, yes, this is important and I want to see the art scene represented fully and completely in all the beautiful ways that it that we are and we already <sighs> exist in, I also look at this question and go like, oh, I don't want to make people unsafe. But like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. And There's no, I don't have an answer to this. I'm just... I don't have an answer. Something that comes to mind when I see that is like just wondering how Fringe goes to accommodate artists that do have, that might be in one of these ticks. Like mm-hmm. I do know that if if you're comfortable with me. Sure. Yeah, like I don't know what you're going to say, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to make Sorry, me. I, I just assume that you're I in am, my brain. I am gay, yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so correct. glad we'll able to get that off our chest. <laughs> I'm gay I feel, too, oh, actually. So. Oh. Are you, oh gay? Are you gay? Me? What? In this economy? <laughs> <laughs> I barely afford my gay budget. <laughs> um, I do know like when it comes to selecting venues, we like Busty does have a disability with yes. her leg. So mm. venues that have like staircases or mm. venues that there is a lift to make things <laughs> Or a lift that it's a little token. It may work. I don't know. Give it a go. Oh, <laughs> it's there. <laughs> but that's definitely something that we have to take into consideration, which has mm. made mm. me think it's like if we do have uh, artists that comes in and they might be visually impaired, it's like what can we do to, as pro- show producers to make them comfortable and make the area more open for them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we do have that as part of our um tech forms as a standard around accessibility mm-hmm. um, yeah, needs and we don't ask them to disclose. We just say if you'd like to discuss them, just tick this and then we'll get in touch one-on-one to, to talk about options. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I think that's the interesting bit is that disclosure for some people and I, I mean specifically thinking about the queer community as well, sometimes disclosure can be a dangerous game. Mm. Um, yeah. But in maybe well I mean I'd assume in this form if you're asking the question it's not a dangerous game I don't know I don't know like I said I don't have an answer to this question I'm just asking it and hoping that somebody else will figure it out for me personally (laughs) like as a trans person that is something that I would put forward when I am applying to shows Mm because there needs to be a safe space for me to use a bathroom totally Mm. yeah because if I was to use a female bathroom there are some women that are uncomfortable with it and as a small being myself I am very uncomfortable about being in the men's bathroom because there has been a lot of aggression shown towards me Mm. so things where there's single cubicles or single bathrooms is a must for me if I'm Mm. looking at places I want to perform yeah yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, and because of that, yeah, you mentioned the thirty-minute changeover. You wouldn't want to put someone in a, like a situation where, like, yeah. they can't really even get into the venue if they don't have enough time to like find the accessible points of entry and all that kind of jazz. Or, yeah, even have a, sp- a proper space to like warm up or do what they need to do to yeah. prepare for a show. And I think I, I have opinions about these changeover times. <laughs> from experience, <laughs> that was one I think of the they're a little questions. bit unsafe in general, but that's okay. Yeah, we we actually stopped on that question, which is further in the application for quite a while, um, mm. around what we were okay with around changeover. Maybe we'll pause there and talk to that a bit more when it comes up. But yeah, it's 
yeah, whose responsibility is safety in that space, I think mm. is really important to unpack in, in these podcasts. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a fantastic point. Safety is definitely something that like has been quite a big topic on the podcast of late. Um, I think that we could probably dive mm. into that a little bit more. Uh, maybe we'll pick up back on this application after this little break because everyone needs a drink of water. Let's go. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Okay, there you go. Hit the button. Hello, we're back. <laughs> Hi, we're still here. We're still talking about basement uh, productions and Gaberhood, their production for twenty twenty four Fringe season. We are, I uh, honestly, we are only maybe a quarter of the way through this application. This is, I knew. I see. I, I knew it was going to take time. And now I'm looking at it being like, but I want to ask questions about all of this stuff. Uh, when I sent you all of those snapshots, mm-hmm. I was like, damn, that's a lot of pages. Yeah. And then I had to do extra shots to accompany the, you know, the, the, the space for all of the detail we had to provide. So that was a whole separate kind of process. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. And, I th- and maybe it's sort of a positive that it is taking this on because I kind of thought that I would, I'll, I'll skip over the questions that are – easy just like throw away questions or whatever but as we went through them I was looking at the questions being like well I can't assume that people know this and people are like Mm. totally up to date with this I've landed on my next one that I want to talk about though um during the break uh and that is the sticky question which what price range do you plan to sell your tickets at one million yeah how do you this (laughs) is where it gets this is where it gets (laughs) tough like how do you come up with that number what is fair what is equitable how do you pay everybody properly you don't even know who's in your cast yet let alone like Mm. what your venue costs and fees are going to be what the venue split you're going to be offered will be like Mm. you don't know any of that at this stage in time and yet you're being asked to tell everybody what price the tickets will be you don't even know the capacity of your imaginary venue yet mm-hmm. <laughs> how much is the seat <laughs> exactly. how much is, how, how, how many people are in the venue don't know who's your cast no idea how much does tech cost bloody hell don't even know but what are the tickets going to cost <laughs> exactly. you have to know that it's how a fun do you little come up fantasy with this number world, yeah how do, how do we do it how do we do it uh well accessibility is always something that we come back to mm. yes would we like to be able to pay our crew more than the base rate we negotiate definitely mm. but we want 
like I personally know what it feels like to not be able to afford to go to shows. Yeah. So um, I yeah I advocate really hard to keep the price. I did we put like thirty? You've got thirty to thirty five dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so we the first time we ever charged thirty was for Fringe. Yeah, it was the most we had like charged yeah. for our tickets. And even mm. then, we were like, "Oh, are people gonna pay that?" Yeah, much so part of you feel gu- feels guilty about yeah. it. You're like, oh, I want people to be able to come to the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we're all like, unfortunately, and I hate to sound old when I say this, but gone are the days where you could just pay fifteen bucks to go to a one hour fringe show. That's like yeah. that's mm. ten years ago. Um, and you've you got a lot to balance there. Like, what can you ask for from people? for only an hour of their time. Like you can't ask Mm -hmm. them for $50, that's nuts. Mm. Like, yeah, you've got to be really like clever about it. But if your lineup is a variety show and you're going to have six to nine people in your show, plus I mean, hello, the production team is three people Mm. (laughs) sitting in front of me right now. Like the cast is not small. This isn't a one human show. Mm. Um, It's a lot of stuff to consider. Do you base it off of like, do you just go, okay, well, if we had 100 people in a room, and we saw what I had every single night, this is what it would look like. Do you go based off of like a, um, I think the fringe recommendation is 30% sales off of an event that you don't know the capacity of. This is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a little maths involved, but it's more about the feel of what, what sits okay for us. Right. And then um, also we, yeah, right from the start, we, we, we never pay ourselves unless everybody mm-hmm. else is being paid. And then once they're paid, then then we pay ourselves um, generally the the base rate that everybody else got. But it's it's not often we get that, do we, Tangie? No, <laughs> that maybe like thirty percent of the time. Yeah, but and when it well, happens, like, yeah. we're like, oh my god, we, we got paid. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, I think we also because we have the benefit of being in Perth and. Um, you know, being able to apply for a local arts event or mm-hmm. thing. Um, we knew that we're not going to be a touring production company. Mm-hmm. Um, like not paying for flights to come over to Perth. And yep. We're not paying for accommodation for people to stay up there. Mm-hmm. We're like using um, the resources that we have available to us of performers maybe who are already going to be here, mm-hmm. you know, who already got their accommodation sorted that maybe want extra shows to be a part of that we'd love to have. Or also mostly sourcing from like our community itself in Perth. So. Yes, yeah, yeah it, it is a lot cheaper to have WA artists in the show. We're already here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we kind of yeah. started during the time where it was only WA artists yeah. during the yeah. pandemic. That's, That's why right. we started. Why we decided to put on a show is because we were like, this is the opportunity for us to mm-hmm. highlight Perth artists and what we have available to us. So mm-hmm. let's like just do yeah. it. Yeah, totally. And we and were yeah. able to do t- a two-hour show, which was our standard because we were in Freo. Um, we were able to have our our normal time parameters, which was the you know, hour and a half um, show. So we had quite a few performers. I think we had maybe was like 12, 13, 13 yeah. um, for the first year. And it was only when, yeah, we did last, last season that we, we reduced it mm. slightly, but also... Yeah, for those who went to Morphosis, you know you got a too far. <laughs> but all in an hour. Um, so, yeah, all of those things um, come into play. We probably, yeah, okay, everyone knows maths is not my jam. Um, but I will acknowledge that we probably could um, do projected 
um, budgets a little more, but Tanji and I together, both our brains, doesn't even make one full math side of the brain. <laughs> so um, what's been helpful in this guest producer experience is, um, yeah, when we talked to Blake, it kind of started feeling a bit job interviewee. And one of the questions I said, so how are you at maths? And so we know that's a strength that Blake brings to this and, yeah. and um, another show that we're we're currently um, planning for um, November. Shh. Um, that guest producer, like, it's quite amazing, actually. <laughs> They're like doing maths and I'm just like, I can't keep up even with the words they're saying. I'm like, yeah, we're going to have to get you to send that through. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. it's a little bit of delusion being like, this is is the vibe of this price. (laughs) This is the vibe of the budget is what Tangie and I do. (laughs) It it eventually works out. Yeah, it always has. (laughs) And that's, that's our hope when we were talking aria and mm. you're like yeah we're gonna do a podcast around budgets like i was like under the table white knuckling going we gotta do everyone's it gonna know we just get a vibe <laughs> of the budget well, we gotta, we've gotta do it. i think that like the reason i said it too is like because the idea of demystifying producing is about giving like that extra insight to our audience members, to artists who might get really confused by producers who mm-hmm. hire them, but also to like people who are like, I'm going to make a show. Yeah. And I love that energy do. is very <laughs> exciting and mm-hmm. I love that energy. Yeah. I just know that there's so much incredible talent here that I would love that energy to be used in like a, a positive way that doesn't impact them moving forward like negatively. I don't want somebody to be like, I'm going to put on a show. And then because like, of yeah. a bunch of situations that they were not prepared for, they put on something that's subpar exactly. or they put on something that means that they um, fracture relationships within the mm. community itself, which Oof. hurts them putting stuff on in the future. And I just like budget is – it is one of those things. You've got to sit down and you've got to be like, well – and maybe it's more outside of fringe season. Obviously, fringe you can get away with a little bit more. We all know that. Um, but you've got to sit there and go, okay, am I telling people they're getting paid this much? And if so – do I need to save up this much so that I can actually pay them this? Like if it's a base rate or whatever you're going off of. Mm-hmm. I think those things mm. have to be openly talked about because it's nuts if you get an invoice from somebody or, gosh, haven't we all been that performer where we're like, well, you said I'd get $100. Um, so here's my invoice for $100. And it's been three months and you're like, mm. hello. Yeah. And they're like, well, I just haven't made that money yet. And you're like, no, no. You're under- yeah. It was agreed upon. I still upon. haven't been paid for a fringe show from about two years ago. So. Oh. See, this is why these conversations are important. I think it's something we've always kind of um, been very passionate about is being very transparent about budgets and um, even what everybody in the cast and crew is getting paid. Like that's available information. Yeah, Yeah, and it was kind of surprising to us when we did first start producing that it wasn't like a normalised thing. Mm. Like there's a little bit of a gatekeepy kind of vibe about funds and money Mm. and budgets, which... You know, you can understand some part of it, but then, yeah, it just makes it kind of weird for everybody. Mm. Yeah, and it makes it, – it, it actually, like, sends that message, it's not okay to ask questions and mm. that's – yeah, that's not where we come from. But mm. to directly answer the question around our budget, um, do we save money to insure? No, we don't because our budget is a vibe. Um, (laughs) But what we, Tanji and I do, is we have a very overt agreement that if touching wood, we don't sell enough to cover everyone's base rates, we share that cost. Mm -hmm. And I think it's happened once. Once Mm. we had to um, 
like go 50% in paying just one mm-hmm. crew member. The rest was covered from the show. Um, but, um, yeah, our vibe plan around the budget has worked so far. Um, so we stand I'm by I'm sure that. there's someone pulling their hair out right, right? now. Being yeah. like, oh, my God, why? <laughs> not to say that it's not something we want to improve upon and yeah. invest yeah. time. And, which is, yeah, yeah again, like why, yeah, the chats are, yeah. why the chats and the conversations and why it's so good that <laughs> everyone here is being so open about it being a vibe. You were going to say yeah. something, Blake? Um, I think we've already gone past the conversation, but I'm no, just going to quickly back. throw it back to thing. Back when we were talking about ticket prices – it's another thing that to consider in is also where the location of your venue and the time. Because people things are you more don't know. <laughs> 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 yeah. Two things it's well, a it's vibe true. again. Two, you don't know what venue you're going to be in and you don't know what time of the night you're going to be on either. These mm. are things you don't know currently. Because people will pay a bit more for a show that's in the evening because they'll go out for a dinner, they'll go see mm. the show and who knows maybe why they're wandering around the hubs or something might catch their eye, they'll go see another show. Totally. Mm. People are more money more willing to spend money in an evening rather than a late night show or a midday show yeah Mm. there there is there's totally that there's also like the idea of this is the price that your tickets will be the entire run and you're more than likely going to do a uh, tuesday night show Mm -hmm. and guess what it's not going to sell as well as saturday night and that's just that's just fact that's just how Mm. um unfortunately we still work on that sort of time clock yeah and then even on a saturday you know like if people are in a fringe hub Mm. they're more than likely going to be able to see way many like way more shows yeah Yeah. and then they have to make the decision of like okay if i want to buy tickets to like two or three shows a night i'm going to go for the cheapest price Mm. ones yeah probably because they want to get the most of their evening and get the most for their time so yeah it's like pluses and minuses for both Mm. (laughs) and while and while ever there are these big unknowns like you don't know what dates you're on you don't know what venue you're on you don't know what time you're on like while ever there are these like clouds of unknown it's very hard to set prices it is it's really rough um we haven't even started the AMB application, actually. <laughs> no. This was all, like, not the preamble. These were all questions that have been asked of Basement Productions and anybody who's applying for a Fringe Hub venue this year. Um, but we haven't actually started the nitty-gritty of the application yet, and I don't think we should because we're running out of time. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't like filling out <laughs> forms and writing things down, do not produce a show. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you've I- got Aria sitting in a corner um, making you justify every single one of your answers, don't put on a show. It's too hard. <laughs> I, I will just say one thing, though, mm. back to, you know, yes, there's lots we don't know, um, but we do have um, choice over what days and dates we apply for. Yes. And that was purposeful choice around it being on the, the you know, having a greater opportunity to or likelihood to sell tickets. Mm. Um, so that has positives around that but then there's also potentially challenges that we may not be seen as desirable as someone's just gone give us any date give us any day mm. um, yeah. could be 300 other shows applying for the very same thing yeah and yeah. whereas we're going no we'd like well we said thursday through to to sunday yeah everybody wants those dates yeah. gosh yeah, yeah who doesn't <laughs> um, somebody's got to pull the monday tuesday and i guess a show that um will do that is slightly more desirable maybe i don't know to fringe yes but to fringe. Not, yes. but not so much to the punters mm. um, based on our experience it's like well i ain't going out nine o'clock on a tuesday night i'm in bed <laughs> but you know uh, yeah. who is going out on a tuesday night at nine o'clock is other performers 
because they're in shows yeah. on the weekends. Yeah. And then you have to True. consider maybe like having artist support tickets available, which mm-hmm. are um, in the past have been much cheaper at $10 a show, yeah. whereas previously they were free as well. So yeah. mm. there's a lot of, yeah. That bums, that bums on seats sort of yeah. Yeah. attitude to it. I think all. at the end of the day, of, as performers and people putting on a show, we'd rather have people in the audience than making money off them. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what you do it for. Because the venue will still make money off them because the venue will sell them drinks. So. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> then you'll be fine. And also <laughs> but I just if need you're, validation. If you're doing shows just to make money, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. Mm. Yeah, full full stop and across the board. This isn't that's not only relative to to fringe. Like uh, you, I think you don't get into the space of producing shows. Well, this is my opinion anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're wanting to, you know, pay your muggle bills, like that just doesn't. That's not been my experience anyway. It's very much for the love of it of of putting on not only your art but other artists' art on stage. Um, That's, yeah. I will say as a full-time artist I have a slightly different view on that but Mm -hmm. not in in a negative way, just in the sense that um, because I am a full-time artist, it's like, well, every gig that I do is and every performance opportunity that I have is to do that exact thing is to fund yeah. my continued life of living. Um, yeah. So it is. it doesn't matter and it is important as well. It's a fine balance that everybody has to figure out differently. But so yeah. you yeah. still have passion for why you're doing this. You're Maybe. doing it because you love to do Maybe. it. Maybe. And then that comes with its <laughs> own thing of like people expect you to like um, accept less because that's what you, cause you need to yeah. do those things. 100%, and yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us are striving to get to that point where our art can pay for our lives and we can just continue oh, doing that. Oh, 100%. And yeah. it's incredibly admirable and, um, yeah, inspiring to see people actually doing that. So. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I, I actually really respect it and I, I wish that that was something that I could do. I meant it more from a production point of view. Oh, totally. Um, it's it's yeah. not a – neither view is negative or positive. They're mm-hmm. both – they just yeah. sort of both are. They're people's are. stories. Why people create yeah. art and what they're trying to get out of it at the end, whether it's a paycheck or whether it's for like the love and creation of that art, neither mm. is wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think um, in my own personal experience of performing, you can kind of tell when a producer's coming from that um, worldview of this, they're in it for the money. Mm. There's a really big difference of working with a producer who comes from that space than a producer who is like, yeah, I'm, I'm in this for the love of art and and putting that out there for the world to be able to to see and experience it's yeah I feel like there's a different kind of yeah energy in that space in that show yeah um and we have to wrap it up there because we I I don't want us to start the AMV application without having a full hour to dive into the (laughs) AMV application because that's what we need minimum um but thank you everyone for joining me once again for demystifying producing two we have a sign off from Tange Oh, uh, oh, I wasn't prepared for sign off. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Bye, Bye, everyone. And Blake. I'll see you later. And as always, um, I've been Aria Scarlett. If you like this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, et cetera, et cetera. Um, If you have any questions about the podcast in general or specifically about producing and you want to ask a question to demystifying producing, you can email us, waexposepod at gmail.com, and we'll ask these three people. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. Goodbye. Bye. 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 WA Expose is an independent production. 
Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA expose. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.